Welcome to Royal C-Suite Truth, the ignition point for global impact and your compass for innovation. In this hive of game changers, we empower transformation, connecting one story at a time. So bottle up for a deep dive into the realities of the C-Suite as we continue our journey together. So let's get started today. I'm very excited to introduce you to Don Schminke. How are you doing, Don? And where are you calling in from right now? <laughs> Thank you. I'm calling in from Royster's Town, a town in Maryland, and it's, uh, right. that's where I am right now. Fantastic. It's a pleasure having you on the show. So Don Schminke, acclaimed author of The Code of Executive, featured in Wall Street Journal and USA Today, is an award-winning speaker, researcher, Saga Leadership Institute founder with over 1,700 speeches. That's just amazing. I think your mission, as I already stated, to get control of your winning mindset to boost your organization's speed, market advantage, and sales, I think it's just remarkable. So I'm very thankful I can talk to you again today, Don. <laughs> so because you were also on my other podcast, Lift Off with Energizing Results. So please, everyone, watch this episode because you gain more insights in Don's work. All right. So let's dive right in. So what inspired you to pursue a career in leadership? And how did you make it into the C-suite? <laughs> Good question. I, uh, I, I think it was uh, chaos and luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't, you care to explain the combination chaos and luck, please? <laughs> yeah, I, I never thought I'd be doing. I was, uh, you know, I was a planetary physicist studying at MIT, and I was um, getting involved in biomedical engineering work and a lot of other areas of research. But the C-suite was. I had no idea what the heck that would be. And, um, but I was when I was began exploring at Johns Hopkins the uh, high failure rate of uh, management theories, uh, that it led me into trying to understand what, what are CEOs struggling with and hmm. how can, uh, can we figure that out? Can we research that area and can we discover uh, how to reduce the failure rates of management theory? And so that's, that's what led me into. Uh, I finally left academia and started my own business. And um, so we could do research, publishing and speaking, and then also working with CEOs directly as we apply and test a lot of these things over the years. Uh, that's, that's how I ended up. But, but it really ended up more um, in, in other C-suites. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just getting myself into a, my own C-suite, but getting into other C-suites. And it was, it was working and, and hanging out with, Really brilliant uh, people and uh, and CEOs to see, you know, what were they struggling with and engaging with them in, in uh, the growth of their business and things like that. That I think was was the was the magical moment for me to uh, see what was really going on behind the curtains and uh, and then helping better. What 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 exactly was that magical moment? Is there a certain uh, memory that comes to mind or something that uh, happened, an incident or something? I think it was just a lot of um, a tapestry of things that were external or internal. And the external was, uh, how's the company doing? How's it competing? How is it, uh, are we winning out there? Are we, um, you know, what's our competitive advantage? And the other was internal, you know, uh, the organization. Uh, is the structure correct? People, what's, you know, are they aligned? Um, so there was a lot of issues around those two dimensions that we felt were um, necessary to be addressed. But a lot, most of the management theories out there, even though they were really good in describing what to do and how to do it, 
it wasn't getting done. And so we had to research what was missing around that. And then, um, and then that took off. So most of my so what, 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 you, you're talking about the, the management theories that, uh, you know, weren't working. So can you just share one example um, so that we have a better understanding uh, why it didn't work? Um, yeah, all the examples of a common theme. I mean, like, like I appreciated when Mike Hammer admitted that reengineering doesn't work. Um, you know, Six Sigma came out and that was a big deal. And in certain areas, it worked really well. Other areas, it was people were overspending. They were, uh, they were not getting, uh, you know, what they needed or they were overachieving in a very costly mm -hmm. way. Um, and today, you know, we see like people creating another statement, you know, like, do we have mission, vision, vision, purpose statements, why statements, which isn't the new statement thing is the why statement. But then I started seeing bankrupt companies that had great statements. Mm. Something maybe it's not the statements if, uh, because <laughs> there were great statements, uh, in a lot of dead companies. So when we did a lot of autopsy research, um, a lot of the best selling books are on their shelves. Um, the, the big, bigger companies hired the authors and they still died. So mm -hmm. I was curious as to what was missing, uh, in all of that. And, um, and then I wasn't alone. I, when I finally got into it, you know, when I, I started seeing some fabulous work, uh, like when Mike Beer originally published his article on Harvard Business Review, why change programs to produce change. That was a really good inspiration. And, um, you know, and then the book like The Halo Effect came out, which was a great statistical study of the fallacies around all this. It all it all helped me just just um, discovering some of these uh, these authors, these researchers and um, and then applying and testing it in the field, because it's really that's really the the moment that you want is to be able to implement the the, the theory or the idea and see impact. You know, whether it's growing sales two or three or 10 times higher in a company uh, or whether it's finally getting an alignment or an execution speed uh, uh, measure by their own measurements, uh, excelling by 10 times. It's, those are the things that mm. uh, really I think we should all be using when we uh, sell ideas <laughs> to industry. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And so, um, as you know, we are all humans. So what are the com um, most common mistakes you see leaders make and how can they avoid them? Uh, trust and caring. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm running in the opposite direction of modern management theory. But um, I find that a lot of times CEOs um, either put someone in the wrong position and then care so much they don't want to admit or realize the mistake and make the corrections. Um, people a lot of times are promoted past their level of functioning um, or in other case, they're, they're trusting that they can get the job done. But in the end, they're really not. They're, um, uh, they're covering up things. They are, um, they're not aligning with the corporate values. I mean, things like that. So, uh, there were, you know, I've, I've seen people, you know, hire too fast and fire too slow. Um, mm. And what that, the problem is that by being slow and by uh, caring too much to where it overcomes the priority of the business success, uh, it ends up delaying and confusing uh, strategic uh, execution. And that, of course, shows up on the bottom line. Mm. 
I understand. So um, what would be one valuable piece of advice you would give to other leaders who are looking to advise, uh, to ad sorry, to advance their careers? Well, I think first is to uh, know what winning means to you. You know, like, why do you want to advance the career? I mean, uh, where are you going and, and what's the point? And, and is it something that, uh, is it about ego or is it about a contribution? Is it about, um, you know, maybe you want to start your own business. Maybe you like, I just finished a book, Winners and Losers, which goes into this in, in some detail. And doing the research for that, I did find that um, some people want to advance at some point of um, impact in life, but maybe they're stuck in where they currently are doing that mm -hmm. uh or maybe they're not stuck they just are facing other issues that are di di distracting them from that or maybe they're out there starting that new business um so it's it's a it's a combination of things but i think determining what winning means is important and then strategizing how to do it but that was the other mistake just getting back to your previous question is most ceos don't have strategic plans mm -hmm. they have a strategic planning document But when you open it up, it's tactics. And, you know, I was part of the problem because when I was teaching at Hopkins, I uh, was teaching a lot of analytical theories. But in the end, it's not about the analysis. It's about outmaneuvering the forces out there. And that is really more intuitive than tactical than analytical. So I think, um, yeah, I think reversing that. And, and, and I talk and I train about 700 CEOs a year. And. You know, I think 90% of them saying, yeah, you know what? I have to trash my entire strategic plan because all I have is a legacy plan filling in the blanks, but it gives me nothing around how to outmaneuver the market like these other companies do. And so I think that was where maybe that's kind of where another breakthrough moment I had was, um, was when I realized these small companies start up, these small entrepreneur companies start up. And all the experts, all the top management consultants say they're not going to make it, you know, because they violate best practices and they're not doing this right and doing that right. But this small company rises up and ends up dominating their entire market. Hmm. And I was curious, you know, like, how did that happen? Like, how did Southwest Airlines actually happen when everyone said, don't worry about them? Or Amazon, another great example, um, you know, or even Apple coming out of bankruptcy around. Uh, you know, the day where it was not speed and features as much as uh, what about the user experience? I mean, all these things were going on and people uh, just just didn't think they would make it, but they dominated. So that was a breakthrough because it, it made me look at maybe what a lot what we know is wrong and and what is missing, you know, which led our whole research into developing a whole new way of looking at business. Hmm. So thank, thank you for, for, for going there, uh, even and uh, also sharing these, these insights here. So when uh, you look back, so what was your motivation, essentially, kind of like to, um, you know, to, to uh, thrive and also, um, you know, sticking to that career, um, being in a C-suite, but also working with the C-suite? Uh, the inspiration is I, I really enjoy learning and teaching. And so mm. it was a great laboratory for me to be because there was so much there to learn. 
And, you know, I had to uh, reinvent new, new theories, new approaches, new methods, and then, and then test them to make sure they were going to double the performance of an organization, improve their balance sheet, improve their sales. And so that was kind of, uh, that was the scientist part of me, I think, it was just, you know, learning what, you know, what's missing and how to fix it. And then teaching, which to me is in the form of speaking at conferences or, or inside companies or mm. uh, doing workshops, you know, things like that. Publishing mm. is, is a, I wish I had more time for that. So, that's what I'm... <laughs> so on the one side, it's a field job, kind of like <laughs> pursuing your science career. On the other side, you could uh, just talk to people more, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Understood. So, and I, you already talked, touched on a, uh, on a breakthrough moment, but is there another breakthrough moment? What was the last time you had a breakthrough moment as a leader? And what did you learn from that experience? I've got to try to... Uh... I think I think maybe one of the one of the the ancient wisdoms that we found out when we started uncovering our species and how our species organize and works. It was uh, when Oxford University gave me permission to use an ancient manuscript that was written seven hundred years ago um, to describe uh, how to train leaders, and mm -hmm. um, the first chapter was on death which was a little shocking for me because I just come back from a Himalayan expedition when I stumbled onto this material. And it was really interesting because when I went through it, I thought, hey, this is not going to be motivational. <laughs> <laughs> But I found out that it actually had some um, medical validation. You know, now that we have the sciences that have evolved since uh, ancient samurai, which is who wrote this document, um, they, um, they, Basically, we're looking at death as a way of creating freedom and bravery and honor by unhooking what they call the evil spirit, which today we know as the ego. And we now know now when I work with evolutionary psychologists and geneticists that uh, selfish ego strategies are the best for committing genetic warfare, which is the replication of our data. And, uh, and that's how genetic wars are, are uh, executed. Now, the, the thing is, is that... Um, Getting rid of the ego uh, is necessary for creating powerful organizations. And so it was this memory or, or just remembering that someday we must die was the main issue. When I began to look at that, I began to see what was going on biologically, that we don't need the ego anymore if we think we're already dead. And that's right. when I saw powerful organizations in history yeah. rise up and have a level of bravery and honor that was just uh, inspiring, you know, just inspiring. And, and companies today, the same thing. I mean, when there's a cause that people will die for, uh, that's greater than their own uh, pitiful ego or, or evil spirit tendencies, they actually are willing to come together uh, for a cause where they need each other and they're willing to suffer and sacrifice. And they tend to outperform all the competition that mm. just wants to be happy. How do you bottle that and bring this, this sense of existentialism into a corporate? <laughs> so. Well, it's, a, it's interesting. It's, it's a personal journey. Like a lot of times we'll, we'll sure. work with executive teams to look at, you know, what is winning mean? Like, what, what is your strategy? Let's get a real strategy for winning here, not just tactics. And then, then we'll typically have a second event with the executive team on this whole issue. 
you know, what are the old beliefs driving these old behaviors and what are the new ones that need to be created? But it's in the pain of having to commit suicide to those old beliefs, to, to letting them die, which is the, the toughest part. But in the middle of that struggle, uh, it is, it's, it's wonderful because they can measure their execution speed, their decisiveness, their alignment, uh, and then they're ready to lead it into the rest of the organization. So it, it is, it's a pattern process um could take six months to a year but what happens is it it works and 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 they see it it's not like some theory that makes them feel good i mean taking this kind of a journey is sometimes one of the most painful uh mm. journeys taken. so when somebody's like oh yeah we're all happy we had a team meeting and we transformed and all that and i think no you didn't and i said how do you know i said because you're still smiling <laughs> you know <laughs> smiling if you had pain on your face i'm like yes now you're on the journey you're on the journey yeah if you can't feel the pain you can't feel it and perceive it nothing is going to happen right <laughs> i understand so and you know when was the last time you had to make a tough decision that significantly impacted your team or organization and how did you navigate that decision making process well i think what happened is i um well, a couple of things. I, I, had, I had to fire several management teams over the past uh, 20 years um, because I, in one sense, trusted them, <laughs> like I said earlier. Um, but they really had a hard time in executing. Uh, they had a hard time in taking an idea and making it happen. And so I lost a lot of money. Um, and then I re began to realize it was me. I mean, I was the problem. I was assuming people had talent for execution. Like if I constructed the idea, the possibility, I, I, I formulated it for them and then went off to do more, expecting that they would be able to, to put that into action. And they didn't, um, you know, after losing so much money, I just decided, okay, it's time to move on. But my big problem was I should have tested their capacity for implementing something, an idea. Because if I've got to implement the idea, that I'm doing their job. And mm. I think a lot of CEOs run into that problem. Because when I do my workshops, I, I ask, like, how much time do you spend getting sucked into operations? And almost all mm. the hands go out. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think a breakthrough is realizing I have to stop getting sucked into operations and doing their job. So now we're doing a, a, new, a new breakthrough for me is, you know, I need to be worth a company that has like mind, uh, like research, and they can do the implementation, you know, of what's going on. So I spend more time researching. And so right now we're working on a program with the Pacific Institute, which has been wonderful. I mean, uh, because they were focused on, and they are focused today on incredible personal development, uh, uh, education, and, and I'm bringing in strategic development. So we're talking together. And they are the ones that invented the term mindset 50 mm. years ago. And they're the ones that invented the find your why 50 years ago, their founder, Lou Tice. So uh, they have a great history that parallels, you know, what I've been doing. So we're looking at that. That was a shift was how else can I execute and having to think I have to find people and then eventually find out they're not going to work out, you know, because I just don't have time. I'm on planes. I'm traveling a quarter million miles a year. I, I have to leave the C-suite. I can't stay there and run the business. So it really is a quandary. So I'm loving uh, what we've been doing with TPI the best. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing these insights. And we're already coming to uh, my final question for today. And you know that. <laughs> When was the last time you experienced goosebumps with your family and why? Watching my children laugh. Hmm. Goosebumps. I mean, because we went through uh, together a very um, bad divorce situation and, um, hmm. and they suffered a lot. But, you know, today they're great. They just, uh, I, I uh, Youngest just graduated, and um, they were on to terrific careers. And uh, we got together over the holidays. It was just like, finally, you know, they're, they've arrived. So I think seeing our children, or at least for me, seeing our children achieve those levels and, and, and finding happiness through their own achievements, not because we caretake them a lot and try to surround them and protect them. No, by, by letting them go out into the world, And, and, and suffer and make mistakes and, and then rise up and realize, wow, they, you know, they've arrived. Now they can laugh about it because I think that's what really makes people happy is winning. And if we can get our mm -hmm. children to win, uh, I think that's our best job. Mm -hmm. Very profound. Thank you indeed. And uh, this amazing goosebumps moment and uh, too many more, right? <laughs> Yeah. So thank you, Don, for our conversation. It was a pleasure talking to you and appreciate very much the knowledge and insights you share with us today. Well, thanks for having me back. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening and as always, energizing results for you and your loved ones. As we anchor another transformative episode, remember, if today's tales resonated, then that's your ripple moment calling. Let's amplify this impact. I invite you with all earnestness to raid and champion Royal C-Suite Truth to a fellow pioneer, a visionary who craves this caliber of insights and transformation for a deeper plunge into the harmonious realms of business growth with home life motivation, set your course to royal.org and become part of our Ripple of Impact Alliance, where mere ripples evolve into formidable waves. Until our paths intertwine again, remain that beacon, cherish the impact, and above all, revel in every step of your journey.